From the Vaults, audio from Edmonton's past. This recording consists of an interview of Christina McKnight conducted by John McIsaac on July 11, 1979. This material was originally recorded on a 5-inch open reel tape and was digitized by an archivist on July 24, 2020. Our interview today is with Mrs. Christina McKnight. Mrs. McKnight, uh, you're the daughter of the Reverend D.G. McQueen. I understand that you were born in 1898, the same year as the gold rush. (laughs) Yes. I didn't bring any gold with me, though. Well, indeed. (laughs) Uh, You grew up in in the Edmonton area all your life? Yes, all of us did. Uh, I was away. I lived in California for 13 years, but... uh, after I was married, but uh, that up until that time we had lived here or around here, you know. Uh, Father came out in 1887. He, uh, Dr. Baird, had started the church in 1881. We have our 100th anniversary in, in 1981. And uh, he, then he went to be principal of Manitoba College and Father took his place. And he came out, uh, he didn't know anything about the West when he came. He just graduated and they, Dr. Robertson went in and said, I want you for Edmonton. <laughs> and that was that. He didn't just know where Edmonton was. Well, when Dr. Baird uh, heard that he was going to Edmonton, he was in Germany and he looked at a map and all it said west of the Great Lakes was unexplored country. <laughs> Imagine. Wow. And, and so your dad came here in uh, what year, do you recall? 1887. I see. Yes, he got here in the June in 1887. Yes, I understand your mother came out a few years after that. Well, father went back. He, uh, he was married three years later, and mother came out in 1890. But uh, father didn't, he didn't have to come the way Dr. Baird did. Dr. Baird practically walked from Winnipeg because the horse he had wasn't a very good one and it uh, couldn't pull the load that he had and he practically walked all the way from there to Edmonton. But uh, the train had got to Calgary by 1887, you see, and uh, so father drove, uh, he went down there and then he got a horse and and a, a buckboard. And when mother came, she came that way too. She came by train to Calgary. And then the father had left his horse in the buckboard in Calgary and uh, came up. Uh, they drove up. They were, when, when she was coming across the, the Red Deer River, it was pretty high. And uh, they, she was afraid because the the water was coming up over the, the bottom of the buckboard. And uh, Father told her just to keep her eye on the on a tree on the far side. He said, we'll get there eventually. So they did, the water running over the bottom part of the buckboard. Indeed. And do and you uh, recall where they lived when they first came to oh, the yes. city? I have a picture of it here. Really? And, well, not the first one. The, uh, we always t- said my oldest brother was born in Mackay Avenue schoolyard because there was a house there uh, on the just on 99th Avenue uh, 
and Jim was born there, and then by the time Alec was born, we had moved into the manse. And it was just north of where the church is. So you, you had uh, two brothers? I had three brothers. Three brothers. Yes, Jim was the oldest, and then Alec, and then my sister Marjorie, and Rob, and me, and Jean and Helen. So it was quite a large family. Seven of us. Yes, yeah, so, so I'm sure your parents didn't stay in their original home. No. Well, we stayed there in the manse, after they built the manse in 1902. We lived there until 1912, and then we moved into the big brick manse on the corner of uh, Mackay Avenue and, 19, and uh, 104th Street. There was a large, it was a large brick manse uh, with uh, quite a lot of ground around it. It was right on the site of the old church. Mm -hmm. Mother said that the uh, the uh, fireplace in the new in the new manse in the dining room was right over where the pulpit in the old church had been. Really, and I can remember that old church. I was I was in it, you see. Yes, I've I've because, seen pictures of it. Um, yes, well, I was uh, about uh, four years old when we moved into the other end of the church on 103rd Street. That was the uh, the new First Presbyterian Church. Well, not the one not the one now on Fifth Street, but there was a we had a brick church, Kitty Corner from the Bay, on a hundred on on Jasper. Yes, and uh, it was quite a large church. But by the time between 1902 and 1912, Edmonton grew so much that we were uh, getting pretty crowded, and besides, it was a very valuable corner. Yeah. So they felt that it would be better to sell that and build not so not right on Jasper. Yes, I understand that the Hudson's Bay Company uh, originally donated that land to the First Presbyterian. Uh, they, they donated the land on, on 99th and uh, 104th Street, but not the other land. Indeed, indeed. So after your, your very early years, you started school at Mackay Avenue School. Yes, the, the old wooden school, I remember it quite well because they used some of the parts of it while they were building the, the brick school that's there now. And one of the, uh, the old church, the old wooden church was used as a classroom too. And then one of the other parts of the old wooden building was on the back of that lot, moved over to the back of that lot. Mm -hmm. That would have been about 1905, 1904, around that? The brick one was opened in 1904. Mm -hmm. Could you give us uh, your general impressions of, of the school then? Well, the old one, I, you know, when I was little, I probably was taken on Saturday, Friday afternoon when you took people to the, you were allowed to take little kids along with you, and uh, it, I can remember the the desks, uh, you know, two two people sitting in them, and and the water pail, just like a country school nowadays. I taught in them. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and after Mackay Avenue School, I understand that you went to um, Victoria Comp, or what well, is today Victoria Comp? Victoria, uh, Victoria High at that time. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. it was. Uh, it was opened in uh, 
My sister had been at church, at, uh, taking her high school at the old College Avenue school, the, uh, uh, where uh, this side of the Edmonton Club. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was moved that spring when the, when Victoria opened. She went up to uh, to uh, Victoria, and I have a picture somewhere of the all the whole school the whole high school moved up there and you know there aren't too many people in it but uh, the the picture has all the names and everything else of all the people who moved up there mm -hmm. i don't know whether uh, mrs rose has any copy of that or not um, but i have i know i have it here yeah i got it from one of the people who was in the class and she got blind, and she said she couldn't see the the faces anymore. So she gave it to me. I see. Uh, now, certainly, you didn't spend all your time going to school. I'm sure you you spent some of your time with recreation. Oh yes. Uh, <laughs> perhaps skating on McKernan Lake, or well, oh yes, we used to skate over there, and we we lived right at the top of the hills, you see, and we could we could go coasting down. Third Street was very good. But Fifth Street, if you started at 99th Avenue, you could go right down to the river if you could get over that little hill left past 97th Avenue. Indeed, so you'd be down, right down to where John Walter's ferry was, or? or Pretty nearly, well, yes. Uh, well, the ferry wasn't, uh, at the time we were big enough to have a pair of bobs and go down. It wasn't running. But I remember going over on it often. Yes, yes. But uh, you could uh, go down one time, just after the streetcars started here. You see, there was very little traffic. Mm -hmm. And uh, a boy who was, a Scotch boy who was <laughs> coasting, uh, went down on a single sleigh. And he just got down there and he didn't have time to stop and the streetcar was coming and he went between the two pairs of wheels and up over that little rise and down to the river. And we thought he'd been caught in a car and we all rushed down to see, pick up the remains and <laughs> he wasn't there. He came over the hill and wondered what all the commotion was about. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> I, uh, and I'm sure there were, there were dances and Sunday well, picnics. Were, yes, and there were carnivals. They used to have uh, ice carnivals, you know. and. Uh, um, Oh, there were dances and parties and sleigh rides. And you used to go out to uh, Winterburn, out to the Wellburns, or sometimes out to Ardrossen or somewhere out there. And you'd go out and have something to eat and dance and come back in. It'd be an all-day affair yes, then. Yes, it'd be a big, uh, no, it'd be in the evening, like a hay ride, you mm -hmm. know. And uh, we... Uh, we t played tennis. Uh, we had a uh, when we moved into the ni in 1912. There was a tennis court next door, and we had uh, we played tennis in the, uh, there, and we had it flooded in the winter so we could skate. Oh, that's excellent. And, uh, and then the church had a hockey team. I played on it for ten years. <laughs> oh, really? Which position did you play? Well, I. I <laughs> Believe it or not, I played Rover the first year because there were seven people on a team at that time. I see. But uh, afterwards, I played um, uh, on the uh, defense, 
and uh, I have they have a they have a picture of that up at the archives because we won the uh, the uh, Alberta championship in 1926 and we also won the uh, Banff trophy the same year and uh, I sent that picture up to Mrs. LaRose. It has all the, all the people who are on the team. And, Mm-hmm. But we used to go to Banff to the Winter Carnival every year and play Calgary and Fernie and once in a while Victoria had a team that used to come. They didn't uh, weren't very good but they came and we played uh, Saskatoon and uh, one time one year we played Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. So certainly as a teacher you must have seen quite a few changes in, in schools of you know your own schooling yes. days. <laughs> to to schools of today. Yes, well, a one-room school is always different anyway, but uh, I don't know. I, I taught at, at Spruce Grove, you see, until I retired. Mm-hmm. And uh, I found it uh, much easier to teach in than the city school. I see. When, when you left uh, Victoria High School, now Victoria Composite, yeah. You then went to the Camrose Normal School, or Teachers yes. College. Yes, well, you see, it was during the war, and uh, there, were very f- uh, there were very few teachers to be, uh, to be sent out. And uh, I went down, uh, they were asking for people who got out of high school to go out and take a school, just for a few months anyway. So John T. Ross was the... Uh, deputy minister then, I went down, I knew him, I went down and he said, yes, uh, uh, we, you certainly can take a school until Christmas and then you can go to normal if you like. So uh, I went down uh, to Markerville, west of Innisfail, and I taught in the school there from September until Christmas. And then I went to Camrose. I see, and you attended normal school in Camrose for one year, or no, <laughs> five five months. <laughs> that really? was all the normal you got. <laughs> that was quite quick, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh yes, it was. Uh, you know, you found it was pretty inadequate after you got out, but still, they they gave you enough to go on with, and you went to summer school afterwards and picked up what you needed. I see that would be summer school at the University of Alberta yeah, campus, oh yes. would have been mm-hmm. built by then easily. Yes. Yes. And, and your first teaching post was where? At Markerville, uh, down west of Innisfil. Mm-hmm. It's a, a Danish and Icelandic settlement. I know when I yeah. went down, they told me that uh, when I got to uh, to Markerville West, uh, I drove out to the stage and then got there. Nobody knew where I was going to stay for at first, and then one man came in and he said, "Oh, she's staying at the Smiths." And uh, someone told the man who drove me out told me that they didn't speak any English, and I got out there and they all spoke English except Mrs. Smith. Uh, he had been a, the man had been a, a lawyer in Copenhagen, mm-hmm. and. Uh, they were a, a very nice family. I had a wonderful time there. Those were before the days of a teacherage. Oh yes. Uh, well, there there might have been teacherages somewhere, but there were none where I went. Mm-hmm. And, and I taught there, and I taught uh, 35 miles 
uh, the last school I had out uh, there before I was married was uh, 35 miles northwest of Vermilion. Mm -hmm. And I drove out there with the secretary treasurer and then I got to the place where I was staying and the man, uh, his wife was away when I got there. And uh, he looked me up and down. He said, can you ride a horse? <laughs> I said, well, I can if it's broken. He said, oh, it's broken all right. So I had to ride uh, about the first two weeks. I rode over the open range there for um, uh, school and back. And then after that, the little boy where I was staying was going to start to school, but they hadn't got a buggy for him. So then I drove after that. But how far did you have to travel? About five and a half miles. Really? That's mm -hmm. quite a long way. Yes. Indeed. And, well, after you left Markerville, uh, you, you got married in 1926. Yes. To uh, Duncan McKnight. Yes. He had come back from overseas in 1919. I'd, he had been up at Vic at school with me, too. Oh, I see. So it was a, a high yes. school sweetheart then. <laughs> and... <coughs> that, uh, and then after he came back, he was over in the uh, uh, SCR hospital where Incent Steve's when it was there because he had had a bad leg wound and it took him quite a while to get over that. See, I'm not too sure what SCR is. Uh, SCR, something rehabilitation. I see it was a, an abbreviation. Yes, it was a, it was a, yes, it was a rehabilitation uh, center for for returned men. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was there when we were at university, too. So I was uh, over at university after I had been uh, at this, uh, at Normal. I taught in the summers, but I went to university in the fall, in the summer, in the fall and, and spring terms. So, Perhaps you uh, had come across Dr. Tory then. Oh, I knew him very well. I, when we were there, you see, there, there, there were only, um, in our year, there were only a hundred graduates. Wow. And uh, that, was, uh, that was all faculties. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, so we knew all the professors very well. I see. Who were, if you can recall, some of your professors well, that uh, day? Well, Dr. Tor Doc I didn't take anything from Dr. Torrey, but Dr. Alexander, who mm -hmm. taught classics, and uh, Mr. Pelloy, and, uh, and, um, oh, it's, uh, no, well, Dr. Broadus, of course, taught English, mm -hmm. and Dr. Gordon, he was in the English department, too. And we knew them, uh, quite often we knew them outside of university too, you see. And yes, Edmonton wouldn't have been that large no, then. No, and, uh, and mother and father knew most of them anyway. Father was on the board for a while, so mm -hmm. uh, we knew them much better than you ever know them now. Oh, I'm sure. We <laughs> and Dr. Sane, <laughs> mm -hmm. he was a... The, he was a French, the head of the French department at one time, but he was certainly a, oh, he was a comic. <laughs> really? <laughs> I remember running up and down behind the, uh, the uh, desk in the front, showing us 
how how they had to do drill in the Foreign Legion. He had been in the Foreign Legion, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> running up and down as if he had a heavy load on his shoulders. And he was always playing tricks on the other professors. <laughs> I see. <laughs> Dr. Like Sheldon was there. He was teaching math. Mm -hmm. And uh, Hector McLeod. And uh, we took uh, some home ec from, uh, in, with Miss um, uh, Deadman and, and uh, oh dear. Just a, a, a yeah. wide variety of professors at oh, the yes. time, really. Yes. You know, uh, I find it rather interesting that you mentioned uh, English and classics and so on. Were there any actual education courses as Not such? Not at that time. You could take your, most of the, the, what the education courses were given in summer school. Mm -hmm. And you went every summer, did you? No, I didn't. I didn't go every summer. I just went to catch up on things that I, I thought I needed. Mm -hmm. But uh, you see, we we took both French and Latin all through high school. It was compulsory, mm. and I'm awfully glad. Yes, because it. <laughs> and I think it's a shame that they haven't haven't continued it. And then you had to take it for your first two years in university too. Mm-hmm. That sounds like it was an excellent education, really. Yes. Indeed. So, uh, after your marriage in 1926, you, did you immediately go to California? Well, my husband was down there. He had uh, had a friend who went down there, and he said that there, was, there were openings in the telephone company for him. So he went down, and he worked for, for the uh, uh, Pacific Tell and Tell down there in San Francisco. <clears throat> so then I went down and was married down there. Mother went down with me and I was married down there. Mm -hmm. And uh, we uh, went, uh, we lived in, in San Francisco for a year and then we moved over to Alameda. Oh, really? So we lived there the rest of the time. Mm -hmm. So you lived on both sides of the bay? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, that must have been a beautiful, beautiful city yes. in that era. In the last geographic, I saw they're making a park all the way along where the old Presidio was. And it's going to be a, a right up to Point Reyes, I think. Mm -hmm. See, then, I'm not too sure what year you returned to Edmonton. 1939. Oh, really? Yes. So just before the outbreak yes, of the war? Yes, my husband had died, so. Uh, and I, my, my two boys were born down there. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, we have, uh, we came back here. Mother was still living here and I lived with her. Uh, and I went back to university for another year because uh, I went down to see about uh, getting my certificate renewed or, or what I could do about it. And Dr. Newland said they were awfully short of high school teachers and would I come back and take another year of university? So I did that. And. Uh, so that uh, Dr. Desert was in charge of, they called it just the, they didn't call it the Faculty of Education, which was just called the School of Education by that time. So I took that year and then uh, I uh, subbed in town here for until 1947, I guess. 
and then I went out to I went out to Duffield for three years, and then I came into Spruce Grove, and I was there until I retired. Really? <laughs> well, now b besides your professional career, you've been quite active in a lot of volunteer organizations and <laughs> societies and clubs and the like. Oh yes. Well, of course, there's. Uh, the old timers. We've always belonged to the old timers, mm -hmm. and uh, the uh, mother and father were both members, and we uh, all of all of us have have joined it one time or another. Mm -hmm. And I was the first woman president of the old timers. Yes, in 1962, I believe you were the president. Yes, up until 1925, you know, uh, they wouldn't have any women. In the, in the old timers, you couldn't be a real member. Really well, Emily Murphy and Nellie McClung uh, perhaps no. helped that along. No, I don't think they did had anything to do with it because neither of them are eligible for old timers. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not the first post you had held. I recall that, if I'm correct, you were a vice president of the student union when you were at uh, oh yes at college. So you had had yes. executive experience. Yes, I was on the, I think I was on the Students' Council all four years I was there. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Um, and in addition to uh, the Old Timers Association, you've been active in the Historical Board. Oh, yes. Well, yes, I was on the Historical Board. And then I, um, uh, oh, Helen, Helen Rose phones me up when she can't find out who someone, who someone is, you know, because having lived here all this time, we know a lot of the old names that are, that uh, they, sometimes people come and ask about them and they can't tell who they are. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's, uh, that's what Eva McKittrick has, uh, she's done a wonderful job on that. Yeah. Well, Oh, over the years, you, you've met a tremendous amount of people, I'm sure. Oh, um, yes. I can think, well, if it's not going back too far, when you were just a little girl, uh, Billy Greaseball was mayor. Oh, I knew <laughs> Billy Greaseball very well. And uh, it's the, uh, well, all the people who were uh, in Edmonton, you see, where we lived, we lived two blocks south of Jasper on 104th Street. Mm -hmm. Now, within a radius of one or two blocks from there, on Fifth Street, there was there were the Secords and the Mackays, mm -hmm. after whom Mackay School was named, and uh, Kirk Mr. Kirkpatrick of the bank, mm -hmm. and uh, Mr. Kinnaird who was on nearly all the old councils and was worked for the Hudson's Bay Company and looked after the boats that went north from waterways and and uh, on the and on the corner uh, across across from them were the Roys and he was the uh, land titles uh, um, man and then on the corner of Fourth and Hundredth Avenue were the the mm -hmm. Picars, and that was Larue and Picar the uh, people, and across from them were the Garropies, mm -hmm. Garropie and Lassard, yeah. and then over on, uh, well, across from them was uh, Fred Ross of the Ross Brothers Hardware, mm -hmm. and over on Third Street, there were 
It was Frank Oliver, we knew, knew them very, all the family, you know, and the McDougals, mm -hmm. and, the, and the Charlie Rosses, whose family yeah. were just about the same age as we were. And we saw a lot of them. Oh, across the street from us was Alec Taylor. Mm -hmm. And uh, Charlie May was the mayor in 1907, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And he was on 3rd Street. And Dr. Braithwaite and uh, Dr. Whitelaw and uh, John Stocks wow. and uh, all these people. We were just in a, in a and Robert Lee. Mm -hmm. We were just in a little cluster that, you know, in this, just in that area. And we knew all the families because we played with the kids and we Yes, well, Edmonton didn't extend uh, nearly no, as we far were, as it does today. we were today. really in the West End. Yes, and that would be about 4th Street. Yes. <laughs> yes, I had one gentleman tell me that his father built a house on 6th Street and everyone couldn't imagine why he wanted to be oh, so no. far from everyone. Oh, no, just a little bit crazy. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Well, perhaps we could review some of the uh, more important events in Edmonton now. Uh, I'm sure you recall the flu epidemic of 1917. Oh, very well. Yes, I <laughs> never want to taste chicken soup again. <laughs> but that was the going well, cure, I'm, was it? Yes, part of the time. They asked for the students, you see, to come up and help. And people would bring in chicken soup and you had to taste it to see if it was sour or not, you know, if it was mm -hmm. all right. And uh, I did that. I only went out once. I They took me down, down on... Uh, in Riverdale, I guess it was, to look after a woman whose husband had to go to work and she was supposed to be dying and I had to stay with her. I stayed with her all day and they didn't come for me, nobody came for me and I was wondering what on earth I'd do because the man came home and, and uh, they hadn't sent for me and of course they didn't have a phone. Mm. And uh, my family didn't, I had been gone up to the school in the morning and they didn't know where I was, I guess, until after I got home. <laughs> I see, and th that really did affect the entire city. Uh, oh, people yes. stayed at home. Well, we all wore masks. Yes. Yeah, I remember those awful things. <laughs> yeah. I understand that uh, everyone obeyed the uh, general rules of no crowds, that sort of oh, thing. Oh, yes, except Armistice Day. That day they all went down, everybody was down on Jasper, in their masks. Mm -hmm. But uh, that was the only time I remember large, you know, any large gathering. I see. And, and of course around the same period there was uh, another natural disaster by way of the 1915 flood. Oh yes. Yes, a lot of the, the original old school the wooden school is, was moved down onto uh, uh, Rossdale, and it's still there, and it will be eventually out at Fort Edmonton. Mm -hmm. But uh, I can remember going down there and visiting people down there afterwards. You know, you'd see so far up on the wall where the flood had come. And those, it didn't matter how often they calcimined it or did anything to it, it still came through. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you had other acquaintances down in Rossdale and on the flats, uh, people like uh, the Little family and... Oh yes, they, uh, 
But they, they all took it in their stride, you know. Mm-hmm. And then John Walter. John Walter had a, he, yes, it was a terrible disaster for him. Yes, his lumber yard was down yes. there and mm -hmm. he, he lost a lot. Speaking of John Walter, did you ever take his ferry out or his um, steamer out to um, Big Island? I went up, yes, I went up once. I can remember Father took me, I think it must have been a church affair or something, and they hired the, they hired the you could hire the, uh, the steamer, you see, and you'd go up in the, oh, about noon, and then coming back at night, they sometimes had a trailer behind it, and uh, they'd have music and dancing and all kinds of things on the way back in the moonlight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> sometimes they went down to the fort, too. I think, of course, Fort Edmonton was still uh, in its original position. Well, it was there, but it wasn't being used at that time, except as a storehouse. Mm -hmm. No, we used to play around there, but uh, by that time it was used as a storehouse. Mm -hmm. You've seen a, a number of housing shortages. Uh, 1914, I guess, the, the boom ended. and. Yes. Oh, well... Well, by that time we were in in the big man, brick mats, mm -hmm. and it being a mats, we didn't have a housing shortage. <laughs> I see, indeed, <laughs> indeed. Then, uh, of course, there was a very prosperous times in the twenties. Yes. And uh, everything more or less collapsed again in about 1929. Mm -hmm. There'd be great poverty. Uh, perhaps you could reflect a little bit on on the Depression days. Uh, you, you were well, teaching then, were you not? Well, I was, no, um, I was in California at that time. But I can remember other times, about like around 1914, we used to have people, come, men coming to the door for to get a meal all the time. I see, uh, that, that'd be at the First yes. Presbyterian Church. Well, uh, yes, at our own house, I mean. and. Uh, Father had been the, he was chaplain of the penitentiary when it was out in, you know, where, uh, uh, in Edmonton. Sure, by Rat Creek. And uh, sometimes when the men got out, they would come to get a meal or to see him, you know, after they got out. Mm -hmm. And I remember one time the, uh, there were, uh, two of them came together and uh, Father came in and told Mother that not to not to be alone in the kitchen with them, yeah. but uh, anyway, they got a meal. We were quite used to that because the Indians used to come in all the time, you know, and they just come in and sit on the floor. And of your home? Oh yes, they'd come in the kitchen, and uh, they sometimes the old Cecile Lipatak would. Uh, she wouldn't, she could understand English, but she was afraid, ashamed to talk it because she was afraid you'd laugh at her. But uh, she and mother got along fine. <laughs> but uh, she, uh, they would come in and uh, sit down. Mother always had a big pot of soup on the, mm -hmm. on the stove. And they'd give them, they'd sometimes come in for medicine, sometimes they'd like a meal. And uh, then they, they would bring us uh, berries, uh, Saskatoons and raspberries and strawberries and all kinds of berries. And uh, in the fall, they'd come in and measure our feet for moccasins. 
You just put your foot on a piece of paper and they drew around it. And then the next week or so, they'd come in with a perfectly fitting pair of moccasins. See, and you would uh, trade with them, or would you pay them cash for the... Uh, well, we paid them cash for that. I because see. Uh, they were... Th I mean, we didn't charge them anything for the meals or any of the medicine, but uh, but they that was the only cash, you know, they wanted to get. They'd come into town to get something. Mm-hmm. Well, perhaps you could comment on um, on the Indian situation then. Uh, were, were most people cordial and had good relations with the Indian people? or Well, uh, the people around us were. I mean, the Seacords uh, and the Mackays, of course, and the, the Rosses. Sometimes if Mother couldn't understand what Cecil wanted, she'd phone Mrs. Charlie Ross and... and uh, tell her that uh, Cecil had been in, she couldn't understand her. Cecil would go over and Mrs. Ross would phone Mother and tell her what she wanted. Mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned phone. Uh, phones were still fairly new. Oh, yes. They, I can remember when we got ours. That was in the old mats. Mm -hmm. And it'd be the kind that you would uh, ring up the, the main board and ask to be put through? I guess you did. I don't remember yeah. that. I, it must have been. Yes, I understand yeah. that Miss Lauder, Jenny Lauder, uh, later to become yes, Billy Griesbach. Yeah, she was the first telephone yes. operator, I understand. Mm -hmm. It was uh, in the very early days. Oh, yes. Mary would uh, have a lot of stories about that. And Dodo Lauder is here, is still living too. The um, uh, Tommy Lauder's sister. Mm hmm. Indeed. No, uh, Jim Lauder's sister. Yeah. Uh, did you happen to recall any of the uh, the stories that uh, Jenny would tell you? <laughs> I remember one. Uh, <coughs> uh, Dot May, <coughs> the daughter of Charlie May, who was the mayor, has written a book on her childhood memories of Edmonton uh, between 1901 and 1911, and she has one of uh, Jenny. And when she was working upstairs in this place, she came down and she saw a man that she, she thought was, was Billy on the steps. And she took him by the shoulders and pushed him all the way down and then found that it was a perfect stranger. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Well, now, Jenny Lauder and, and uh, Mrs. Dr. Harrison and these people played on a hockey team earlier, much earlier than ours in the 90s. Really? Uh, did they oh, must yes. have, did they play uh, on a rink or perhaps down on the river? Well, they they play. There were were rinks, you see, different rinks. Mm -hmm. But uh, when father used to curl, though, they curled on the river. Mm -hmm. They used to have to go out you know, when it got on towards spring. They'd go out at uh, uh, oh, about two o'clock in the morning when it had frozen, and curl until uh, six or until the sun got up. Because that was the, they couldn't curl later. <laughs> I see. And of course, the uh, thistle rink was uh, still there. Oh, yes. Still yes, I remember then. skating in that. Yes, uh, I believe it was on Jasper and 2nd? It was north of Jasper, yes, on 2nd. Mm -hmm. And that was uh, Dick Secord's. Yes. Mm -hmm. Who, of course, had a store with McDougal yes. uh, just down from the bay. Yes. Indeed.
They, uh, uh, there's an, an, uh, a description of the uh, 1904 celebration for Edmonton becoming a city. And that whole, the rink, all around the rink, they had the most beautiful furs hung up. It's, mm -hmm. a, it's quite a, a, I don't know what, I have it somewhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I have so many things somewhere. <laughs> yeah. There was, there was still a lot of trading in furs uh, in, in that period, were there not? Oh, yes. And uh, you'd see them coming down. I remember, do remember seeing a dog team come down from the north along Jasper. Mm -hmm. But uh, it wasn't as common then because they used to freight them down. But uh, it uh, they'd be, bring them down. I see. This would be likely beaver furs, or uh, oh, they'd be different kinds: mm -hmm. beaver and rat, uh, muskrat, and, and uh, fox. Mm -hmm. uh, Richard could tell you all about that. Uh, I'm sure he could. <laughs> Father being a dealer in them and all. Yes. Yeah. Oh, let me see. They, uh, my brother Jim was the oldest, and uh, he was an engineer. He was the uh, provincial engineer uh, before his death. And uh, but he was uh, he used to go out on surveys. He was up. Uh, sometimes they had to go in the winter because they couldn't uh, go on the musket do the muskegs in the summer, you see, some of them. And he was quite often away uh, in the very cold weather. And then he was away every summer. When he was at university, he was, he'd go out in the summer and uh, they would uh, uh, do surveying until time to come back into university. And he was, but he was in the, for, in the 49th, he enlisted in the 49th, he was a captain in the 49th. And then after he came home, he was uh, doing, uh, well, he worked for the uh, Rehabilitation Soldiers uh, Settlement Board. And uh, then he went down to Hannah as engineer, a road engineer there. Mm -hmm. And he was in Red Deer, and then he was back up here in charge of the at the Parliament buildings. And now, when when he became the provincial engineer, uh, that would be around when? Do you recall? Um, must have been about. Must have been in the forties. Mm -hmm. so he died in fifty-one. Yeah. Uh, his early engineering work outside of the city, would he have traveled by car then? Oh no, they uh, they usually went out by train, I think, and then took pack horses and that sort of thing. I think it was still a fairly rough country. And oh, it, oh, it was, uh, it was uh, a lot of it had never been surveyed before. I see, so he did a lot of the original surveying. Well, he did, he did a great deal. He did a lot out uh, west of Wetaskiwin there, past the, uh, you know, the other side of Pigeon Lake and out through there where there were very few, uh, there had been very little surveying done. And uh, the uh, man from Ottawa, Mr. Stock, uh, would come out and pick up the university students and take them out with them, especially if they'd had any experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, they just lived on the land for a while. And then uh, my second brother was Alec. 
and uh, he was uh, going. He got was going to begin his medical career at the university, and he enlisted in the Princess Pats, and he was killed in 1916. And uh, Marge was the, <laughs> the next one. She. She married a minister, which is something we said we'd never do, but we did. A Methodist minister, I'm sure. No. It wasn't a, me a Methodist minister. Or no, a Presbyterian, Presbyterian, of course. Of oh, course. yeah. He was father's assistant, and they went down. She lived in Aurelia most of her life. She died just uh, recently. Mm -hmm. And I believe you had another brother, Robert? Yes, known all over Canada as Pete. I, I don't know why, but... Uh, I think it was my brother Jim called him, used to call him Peter, Peter, Pumpkin Eater. <laughs> I see. But uh, the, I know Dr. Gordon over at the university told us one time, he said he couldn't understand why he always put R. McQueen on his uh, themes and things when he knew his name was Pete. <laughs> but uh, no, he was, uh, he lived in, uh, he was in Saskatoon. He went over uh, on a, the Daughters, um, Daughters of the Empire scholarship after the war, which was given to relatives of people who had been killed in, in action. And uh, he was over in London for two years at the School of Economics. And then he came back and he went to, um, uh, to Saskatoon. He was there and then he went to Winnipeg and uh, was there uh, until he died. He was on the uh, Board of Governors of the, um, um, oh dear. Uh, likely an economic council. He was yes, a person. Yes, it was in all in economics. Yes, he was yes, a... He was all, all in economics. The, um, he, he was a professor of political economy, I understand. Yes. Yeah. And his son, <laughs> his son said, uh, one time, mother asked him how he was liking his course, you know, at Manitoba. He said, well, it's pretty tough, but he said, I have to remember my own father made it that way. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> well, uh, let us continue talking, uh, Mrs. McKnight, but I'll just let this tape run out and then we'll turn it over. Okay. And we're continuing our conversation with Mrs. McKnight. Uh, Mrs. McKnight, I understand a lot of people would go to different lakes around uh, Edmonton, including Gull Lake and Cooking Lake. Uh, perhaps you could comment on that and reflect upon it? Well, uh, Cooking, Lake <coughs> Cooking Lake was the first one that uh, I remember people uh, going to too much, uh, very much. They, um, they used, in the 1890s, some of the people here, they, uh, H.C. Taylors and, and the uh, McLeod, Kenny McLeods and uh, the uh, Joe Morrises used to go out there. They bought the island, the, the, a group of businessmen bought the island and then they set up their own uh, places on it. And uh, it was, uh, the, the trail it was very poor. Uh, even uh, some of the people later thought they drove out. There was no way mm -hmm. of getting there, you see, because the uh, the GTP wasn't through at that time, mm -hmm. and uh, so they'd have to drive and take all their 
stuff out with them. And uh, there were, they'd have boats on the lake. There was an old um, launch, the Merrymaker, uh, that ran. And, but otherwise it was mostly canoes and rowboats. Mm -hmm. There weren't very many power boats. That uh, these people lived there, uh, they'd go out for the summer as soon as the school out and spend the summer out there. Mm -hmm. And the men would come out at, in the weekends. And that's what they did at most of the lakes. And we went, when we went to Gull Lake, the Canards and the Emery's um, were some of the Edmonton people who all had already gone down. And uh, the, um, we used to get the uh, hotel bus used to take us over from this side to the south side station. And mm -hmm. uh, we'd go over there, oh, you had to pack up your, all your bedding and your everything else the morning that you were leaving because there wasn't, <laughs> you had to take it and leave it there. Well, we'd get ready and it seemed to me, I don't think mother and father ever went to bed the night before, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, we'd get over there and it was a big adventure to have a ride on a train, you see. Mm -hmm. We'd go down to Lacombe and then the man, uh, Mr. Weiss from the farm at the at Gull Lake would come in with a, a three-seated uh, Democrat and we would ride out in that and also a lumber wagon for all the the uh, baggage and all the other trunks and everything else that we were mm -hmm. taking and one of the boys would go out with him and the dog or the whatever <laughs> creature we had along <laughs> with us and then we went out and we stayed uh, for two full months there. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't remember that we ever had anything but a bathing suit on and, until uh, the end of August. And then you'd come in, your shoes were too small for you. And <laughs> but uh, the, there were uh, these few people down there and Later, of course, the, well, the, the Charlie Mays, the, or the Alec Mays, and the Blackups, and the uh, uh, Johnsons, and uh, the Dawsons from the Dawson Coal people, they, and the Robert Lees, mm -hmm. and the Bishops, the E.T. Bishops, they all came down and uh, built houses. Uh, ours was, uh, the, besides the Canards and Emery's, ours was one of the early, early houses down there. Yeah, about what year was that? Our house was built in 1908. We went down in 1907, but uh, we rented houses, lived in two rented houses that year. And then we, uh, Father bought a lot and we built. And that house is still there. And. Uh, the, uh, but you you met people there, you know, it was quite different. You, uh, I remember the Barfords always had a, a big bonfire on their wedding anniversary. They would have the, that. And everybody had a bonfire. There was lots of wood around. And everybody had a bonfire nearly every night, unless someone was having an extra, extra one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, 
Well, they would sing songs and all kinds of things. And they'd have a regatta every year and uh, decorated the boats. And These would be sailing boats? What is it? These would be sailing boats? Well, some of them were sailing boats, but the, the, on the canoes they used to put up a, a big uh, uh, bar at each end and then string ch uh, Chinese lanterns and things mm. along the top. And uh, there was a lot of sailing, and sailing. the Dawsons, I think, had three sailboats. They had a sailing canoe and a big sailboat and another sailboat. And uh, the Mays had a couple, and they had a launch, too, called the Virabelle, after the only sister in the family. And uh, they used to, uh, there were several others, the Shepherds from the south side, had boats. Everybody, everybody had a boat of some sort. Mm -hmm. We had a rowboat and later a canoe, but uh, we never got a power boat. <laughs> but uh, everybody, and nearly everybody had a raft because there was lots of wood around. And everybody, the first thing you did was go up to the old mill and uh, get some uh, logs and things and make a make a raft and bring it down so you could dive off your own raft. <laughs> and build your pier, <laughs> because the ice always knocked them out in the winter. Mm -hmm. And uh, no, we had a very carefree existence. Yes. Um, you mentioned Mr. Shepherd from the south side. That would have been Mayor Shepherd um, at one time? Yes. Yes. And you knew his family? W.H. Shepherd. We didn't know them as well. We didn't, you know, in the early days, we didn't know the people on the south side as well because, you see, there was no bridge uh, except the one, the low-level one. And we didn't get to know them as well. We, we knew who they were, you know, but mm -hmm. we didn't uh, really see much of them. I saw more of them after I got to university than I ever had seen before. Yes. So I'm sure you recall then the, the high level and the Fifth Street Bridge going oh, in. Oh, yes. Twinning of the low level bridge and, and well, all of that. <laughs> wasn't even twinned when I remembered. <laughs> Indeed. No, that and the. Well, you see, we remember the ferry and then you can remember the, what excitement there was when the high level bridge was built. Yes, uh, I understand they had four different openings for the uh, high-level bridge. Well, there was one unofficial, <laughs> quite an unofficial one, though. Yes. When the university students all put down the barracks, barricades and, and marched over to uh, open it. <laughs> I see, this was uh, without permission, I'm sure. Oh, yes. And were you one of those students? No, no, no. no. <laughs> and. No, I wasn't at university then. Oh no, that would have been a little bit uh, early for you. Yeah. You would have only been about, what, 14 then or so? Well, no. I went, uh, I started in, in 1918. Mm-hmm. At the end of the war? Yes. Indeed. <laughs> no, I had uh, two brothers there, though. Uh, oh, Well, three, three really. Uh, Alex started and, and my brother Rob had started just before the war. Mm-hmm. And then uh, after he went into the Air Force and after he was, he was back, he, uh, he came back and finished up and, and got his, uh, his master's. Mm -hmm. When you were teaching outside of the city, did you uh, come into Edmonton very often? 
Yes, uh, not not from Duffield. It was harder to get in from there. I used to come in on the train, but uh, after I got to Spruce Grove, I got a car and used to come in, and uh, the the road wasn't uh, surfaced at that time. It was just. Uh, uh, practically a dust road. Mm -hmm. That would have been in the late 40s or? Well I went out there and I went to Duffield in 47. I came into Spruce Grove in 50. Mm -hmm. But it was surfaced after after I got there. I see and you made your home in Spruce Grove oh, for yes. many years did you not? I beg pardon? You made your home there for many yes. years did oh, you yes. not? Yes, I was I was living there with my son uh, David was uh, was living with me. He was going to high school mm -hmm. uh, when we got to Spruce Grove. He had been uh, out at Duffield. He had taken his his uh, intermediate there, and then uh, when we came to Spruce Grove, he was ready for high school. So he went to Stony Plain to high school, and. Uh, he was living with me, and then later he was uh, uh, doing s some survey work on the international airport. Oh yes, yes. Mm -hmm. w was it still a one-room school in Spruce Grove? When no. When I went out there, uh, there were two rooms in the in a school on the east side of the uh, Glen Carmichael was the principal, and he and I had the senior room there. And then there was a, another, the old school down below had up to grade six. I see. And you and can... There were three teachers down there. And one of them was a principal. Uh, no, the principal was up with me. Keep, keep his eye on me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you continued to teach there until which, which year? Well, I taught there until 1964. Mm-hmm. And then you retired completely from teaching? And came right in here, yes. I see, back to where you began, right here in the city. Yes. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, the, the number of changes in the city oh, must yes. be mind-boggling to you. Oh, really. enormous. Uh, I, uh, I just can't uh, believe my eyes when I go out and see all the farmlands that we used to uh, know, you know, and they're all covered with houses. Mm-hmm. Yes, too. We went out to um, the opening of the Murdoch McLeod School, and that's out uh, in northeast Edmonton. Mm -hmm. And we went out there. <coughs> when we got there, I thought that we were going right out to to uh, the Sturgeon, mm -hmm. <laughs> because uh, we. And when we got there, I think that. My sister and I were the only people who had actually known Murdoch and Cloud. Indeed. Uh, perhaps you could comment a little bit on uh, Murdoch McLeod. Well, he was, uh, he had come out in the early, oh, very early, for the, to the Hudson's Bay. And he came out and uh, he was uh, sent up to copper mine by the Smithsonian Institution. Mm -hmm. They sent him up there to do some surveying on, I think on minerals and that sort of thing. But he was one of the baymen who went up with this expedition. And then he came back to Red River and he was in the, he was a prisoner of Riel when he was there. And until he died, 
you could see the marks of the the rope around his his wrists but he escaped and uh, or either escaped or, or they let him go but uh, he was there when Scott was shot and uh, he came up here and he had married uh, a McLeod, mm -hmm. a different family. And there were the uh, three, there was Mrs. Murdoch McLeod and Mrs. Robert Belcher. Mrs. Colonel Belcher was a, a sister of Mrs. McLeod and Mrs. Tom Ross. There were the three sisters who came up here. And uh, we knew the Belchers very well too, the whole mm -hmm. the family of them. And uh, Mrs. Uh, Belcher had uh, she drove a she drove a, a, a buggy up from Winnipeg when they came. She came with her sister, with Mrs. Murdoch McLeod, to be with her. And she came up, and when they got down to Fort Saskatchewan, Robert Belcher was one of the Mounties who went out to meet them. And the next year, he and Mrs. <laughs> and Mrs. McLeod were married, <laughs> and then they went to Prince Albert, and she was coming up here to to her mother's before her baby was born. But it was uh, she was born on on the boat. Mm -hmm. the, the daughter was born on the boat, Imagine. and uh, they called her after the boat, the Northcott. Really. <laughs> That's really an excellent story, yes. really. Yeah. Um, y your family is, of course, you know, one of the first in, in, in the city. Uh, there's been a number of honors to your family. Uh, I understand there's been a, a mountain named after your father. Yes, they named after one after Dr. Braithwaite and one after father at the same time. Yes, and, and that mountain's uh, in the Banff National Park, is it? No, uh, no, no. Uh, Jasper. Jasper National Park. It's, uh, we haven't, I've never seen it. Uh, we have had the location of it, but it's pretty far in. But my, Helen's daughter came up last summer. They came up and they, <coughs> they went up and they just got a glimpse of it. They, they went in and they had to have a guide to go in. Mm -hmm. And she said it was uh, misty and they, all they did was just get a glimpse and know where it was. I see. And your mother was uh, uh, honored by the uh, the Women's Canadian Club, I believe. Well, she was she was uh, she was an original member, mm -hmm. and uh, she was. Uh, we have the there's a picture of the executive of the Canadian Club. Mm -hmm. And she was on that executive. Yes. A as a founding member. Well, I don't know whether that was the year or not, but she was on the executive for two or three years anyway. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, she must have had her hands full with such a, well, a large was. family. Well, she did, and all the church uh, things too, you know. I mean, the visiting and the and everything else in connection with the church as well as, as this. As, as raising a family, because mm -hmm. she would have been expected, I'm sure, to appear at certain social oh, yes. events and that sort of thing. Oh yes, and run the ladies' aid or run the missionary society and that sort of mm -hmm. thing too. <laughs> no, it was, 
I don't know how she ever <laughs> ever did it now. Mm -hmm. I don't think any of her daughters are, are as good as that. Yeah. Well. But, uh, no, she was... With a great deal of charity work, I'm sure, being... Yes, there were especially, you see, there was no uh, welfare of any kind. Mm -hmm. That was what was so hard during the, well, during the Depression and later, you know, because there really wasn't any government welfare. Mm -hmm. But yeah. a lot of people just helped with it. Yeah. But, uh, no, she was very active in all kinds of things. I, I, indeed. Well, no, mm -hmm. a lot, I don't know how a lot of those women were, you know. Mrs. McNenna, I'd like to thank you very much for talking with us today. Uh, you've given us a lot of very valuable information, and I hope you continue to enjoy your retirement. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. I was going to tell you about the, uh, the before the first, uh, you know, before the first war, there was a lot of society goings on, you know. Oh, yes. And uh, they, they all had calling cards. I have mm -hmm. some of them. I have some of them here. Uh, you had a, a calling card. The men had one kind. The women had another kind. And mm -hmm. If you um, you took them around, and the you had calling days. Mothers were second and fourth Fridays. That was so you'd be sure to be home that day. And uh, of course, in those days, you see, the women had to walk mostly. They mm -hmm. didn't. Uh, usually drive and uh, the people who lived near each other would have days uh, pretty much the same so if someone came to call on Mrs. Alec May across the corner from us uh, she might have the same days as mother mm -hmm. and uh, Mrs. Taylor might have the same same calling days or ones near it and uh, so you didn't spend the whole afternoon walking to see someone and then find they weren't home. And, and people would drop by with or without an invitation if well, you were? No, you were at home that day. Nobody, mm -hmm. You didn't need an invitation because that was the day that they were sure to find you at home. Yeah, And, and you always got ready for them. I see, by getting ready you mean you would uh, have special cakes or oh, yes, tea and, and tea stuff? And, and then they had uh, all kinds of things, uh, teas are outside of that, you know. They used to have what they call pink teas, and everything would be pink. There'd be pink flowers, and pink cakes, and all kinds of things. And uh, a little girl to open the door and take the cards at the door, a little, little uh, tray, and you'd take the cards of the women. So you knew who had called afterwards. You could look through them and see who you owed a visit to. <laughs> It was very formal. Indeed, it does sound yeah. very Edwardian and mm -hmm. very formal. And walking around on the streets, you know, with, a, with long skirts and with a dust ruffle on the bottom mm -hmm. and uh, holding them up when it was muddy to get across the crossings. <laughs> <laughs> well, in those days, would most of uh, the ladies have made their own dresses or would they have bought them, perhaps? Well, Murdoch McLeod's daughter, Etta McLeod, made a great deal of the, a uh, great many, she was a dressmaker, she made a great many of the dresses, mm -hmm. all the elaborate ones that were worn at different things. And it was very formal at, uh, 
you know, like uh, opening a parliament or anything like that. Mm -hmm. The people came, they were really dressed. I see. Have you personal experience with this? Had you gone to one of the early openings of parliament or? Yeah, we used to go, yes, we used to go quite often go to the opening of parliament, but we didn't get all dressed for that, but it was the people who were really invited for, for the opening. But they would have their big hats mm -hmm. and their boas and their, all their long skirts and everything. Yes. Uh, I can f recall perhaps several other occasions that would call for uh, a formal sort of atmosphere, uh, the Prince yeah, of Wales. and uh, at, the, oh, at the Empire or at any of the others, or at Robertson Hall even, they would be very formal. Indeed. Um, do, do you recall uh, any of the visits by royalty over the years? Uh, I can think of the... Well, I remember the, the Prince of Wales. <laughs> I see, in 1919? Oh, yes. See, did uh, you happen to meet him at that time? Or? No, but my brother Jim was in charge of the Guard of Honor at the Parliament buildings at that time. Jim was also Prince Rupert at the uh, 250th anniversary of the Hudson's Bay. And they sent, oh, they had a beautiful costume that came from Winnipeg, you know, and he was, we had a picture of him somewhere with, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the regular Prince Rupert costume and everything. Mm. It sounds very marvelous. Yes. Very marvelous. And well, I remember the victory parade after about 1919, I guess it was. Uh, Jim represented the army and Walt Bay was the Air Force, mm -hmm. and uh, Ted Watt, uh, Nanny Radford's brother, uh, was the Navy, and they had to ride, and I know uh, Watt said he hadn't been on a horse for quite a long time. And Jim took him out to see if he could stay on the <laughs> parade. And uh, Emily Murphy was Britannia, and, you know, she had long, fair hair, and I mm -hmm. could see her yet, <laughs> with this big uh, Britannia shield and everything, riding a horse down Jasper. <laughs> uh, it's an excellent, excellent picture that you paint, really. It, it, it's, it's a very special time. Yeah, uh, it was. Indeed. Well, thank you very much again, Mrs. McKnight. Yes, it's, it's been a genuine pleasure, and you've given us a lot of very valuable information. Well, I... I never get coordinated very well, but but you you have given given me a lead quite often. <laughs> Thank you very much yes. again. This material is a digitized audio recording from the holdings of the City of Edmonton Archives. For more information regarding the recording, please contact us by email at cms.archives@edmonton.ca, by phone at 780-496-8711 or on our online catalog at cityarchives.edmonton.ca.